0: Well good morning today, good evening. This is Jill's Journals Out Loud. My name is Jill and uh, I'm recording this early Monday morning, October 10th, which I believe is Columbus Day and I'm not even sure if it's a real holiday out in the world but my plan is to post this for you Tuesday morning. We'll see how that goes or, you know, what happens before then. So. Uh, we're going to just take a moment here, uh, pull our focus, or I'm pulling my focus. Uh, I'm. You can see from the title, uh, I am taking on a big subject today, the sacred duty of Wired for Danger. And uh, before I launch into that, I want to do just a little housekeeping stuff, and I want to do uh, a preface, and uh, after that, we're going to just dive in. Uh, And so the first thing I want to say is, I have no idea if there's feedback on this microphone. There's nothing I have right now that isn't causing some kind of technical difficulty. So uh, I've just attempted four records. Uh, The last one didn't have feedback. uh, But unfortunately, I don't have a way to stop and start. I'm on my one-shot system because my fancy new system uh, is just a great big headache I haven't really there's no way for me to use my good system quote-unquote and even that had feedback my camera had feedback for the video so I feel like you know the world is telling me to be quiet which was sort of the whole discussion in my head and journaling this morning oh well Uh, the second thing is is I got a notice from Substack saying that you know they have their new app reader available and I can see about half of you are using it uh, I went to look for it to download to my phone and I couldn't find it, so my uh, hope is I can remember to put that link for those of you who are Android users uh, and want to uh, get this information in the Substack app, uh, but I also know others who are exporting the podcast to a podcast player, which allows you to download the mp3 file and Today is one of those ones that if you could download it, I would, because it may not make sense to you today, but it might be something 10 years from now, uh, if we're all here, will be worth a listen to. Uh, The third thing is, uh, I was uh, contemplating whether I wanted to bring this up or not, so I'm just going to throw this out here now. Uh, I haven't asked for any financial support in a while because people have just been randomly and spontaneously donating and I you know I'm aware I have the world's smallest audience for, and the most generous I'm always taken aback by how generous people are without asking and uh, I'm at a point right now where I have all my little stuff like you guys have been awesome and I just have such a low overhead you know I can just uh, slink by without uh, many much money And uh, you know, kind of wheel and deal to get some of the other things taken care of. But uh, I'm kind of at an impasse right now. Uh, You guys have heard me talk about you know what's going on with my mom up and down. Uh, I am trying to purchase a uh, very low cost minivan because uh, my truck is like eight hundred dollars to drive there, and so it's a ridiculous amount of money to drive my truck and so i'm trying to get a small vehicle that has good gas mileage that i can sleep in because uh, there is a lot of up and down this going on with her uh, and so i can't drive back and forth with my truck and i also you know would like to travel i know many of you have talked about please get some uh, interviews and stop just having me talk but i am like in this horrible situation where Uh, even though I quote-unquote have electricity and internet I don't have it consistently so I can't really set up uh, any kind of interviews because I have no idea if my phone will work if the internet will be on uh, which makes me you know really frustrated and limited and I desperately want to be able to have mobility but the truck is so cost prohibitive Uh, in addition to that uh, I know you guys are always trying to get me to go solar Uh, They have some really good deals on some very uh, good battery solar battery uh, Setups and those are both two big-ticket items and so uh, I have you know been saving my pennies all summer And I have enough to do one, but not the other Uh, And I don't quite really have enough to get a car and then be able to put gas in it And so uh, I've never asked for big donations, and I have no idea what everybody's financial situation is, and so I never want anyone to do anything that they can't do, but uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, kind of a meltdown of the markets happening here in the very near future, uh, which I know will melt a lot of you down, and so I figure if the difference is between Uh, making a larger donation versus losing it in the market I might as well ask before the market goes into full crash mode Uh, and it may not so again never do anything that you can't do but if anybody is sitting on a comfortable pile and you feel the urge to support uh, this message in this process I would be eternally grateful Uh, I'm gonna put my email link for direct contact and uh, my uh, store link. Uh, The store link does take out about five percent. So if you have, uh, if you're interested, you know, contact me and we can uh, see what we can do about that. So again, I am nothing but eternally grateful. I don't want anybody who's already donated a lot to participate in this because uh, you guys have been super generous and I hate Listening to other people say stuff like this, but I feel like time is really really short in every single way Uh, And if the electricity goes out and the internet goes down, then none of this stuff will mean anything money will be irrelevant and uh, We'll all be on our own which will be what we talk about today all the more important Uh, so those are kind of my uh, basics that I wanted to get out of the way here and uh, as you saw in the title, uh, I'm talking about this idea, what is the sacred duty of those of us who are wired for danger? Uh, and one of the things I've been doing the last uh, week is I have been uh, asking myself some hard questions and asking myself to make some absolute decisions because I've been fence writing it for a long time uh, ambivalent about what to say and what not to say how far to go uh, what's my role what's not my role and uh, it's getting old and time is getting short Uh, in addition to that uh, time is getting short and so I'm kind of feeling like it just doesn't matter at this point because I don't know how long any of us have to be able to access each other in this online world that gives us, uh, you know, the ability to cross distance and to find like minds, which has really been, uh, you know, my goal, especially of late. You know, I've tried to make some videos that are very uh, uncomfortable for me and misunderstood and ununderstood understood by almost everybody watching them because I'm trying to find those people that I have always felt a calling towards, but uh, it's, it's gathering in urgency. And so uh, this one's going to be a bit rambly because uh, I'm a little uncomfortable talking about it. I'm still, you know, ambivalent on what I'm supposed to be doing with it. And uh, what makes that so much harder Uh, Is, you know, when I get see comments and questions and things like that, how much isn't heard. But I have to remind myself that so many things that I have learned from I have not understood at the time. So that's why I'm encouraging you uh, on some of these podcasts to download them because uh, I listen to things that, you know, I've downloaded 10 years ago. And it's always fascinating to me, one, you know, to hear what the current events were at that time. And two, where my understanding of process uh, and information and ideas has changed Uh, and one of the things you know I had written down to myself was you know strong medicine often needs to be taken in small doses in the same way that big truths are too hard to hear all at once and need to be revealed in, in you know softer gentler ways and uh, one of the things I started to bring up uh, in this last video is the concept of violence and rage and intensity and I'm starting that because uh, you know my discussions with you in Wired for Danger have really focused around you know what does the fight response mean in the nervous system Uh, and what I have understood uh, is that uh, you know the the nervous system is really our connection to uh, our spirit non-physical and then operating in the physical world oh I wonder if you heard that this trailer makes these really weird noises uh, from the metal expanding and contracting and it's cold this morning uh, and so our nervous system is Something that we think about as fight flight freeze. Uh, it's really, you know three that we know of I think there's more there's more information like our heart has a nervous system that's starting to come out uh, but what really that means is it's just basically the interface between uh, you know our spirit and our higher self and the physical world and our lower self and Uh, When we're born, right, we don't really understand all that. We just do what others do. We mimic what other people show us what it means to be human, which is really our culture. Uh, And then we move forward, but we get a lot of feedback along the way. And uh, one of the feedback mechanisms that I consistently received was all the things that were wrong with me and uh, you know you're too much you're too loud you're too 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 right and that uh, it was scary and I needed to tone it down and so you know what you do is you learn how to adapt as a child uh, I got all those same messages in the social work world where uh, everything is about uh, achieving some kind of normalcy, some kind of medium spot, taking the edge off quote-unquote our symptoms, uh, reducing ourselves to diagnoses that can be treated by medications so that we are not something that anybody else wants us to be because there's discomfort Uh, and I'm been listening you know my whole life listening to people talk about uh, conflict resolution and peace and healing and and God and all these things that really boil down into safety and comfort and you've heard me talk about that you know a little bit recently uh, because at the end of the day most of our need to control the outside world is to achieve some degree of safety and comfort so that we Feel safe and more comfortable because that's what we think it means to be as human, right? There should be, we are somehow, uh, that's the real entitlement, right? That's the real belief system is that somehow we are special, bad things aren't supposed to happen to us, uh, and that we're supposed to feel a certain way. Uh, And what you know, makes me insane and I even see that with the comments is I know people are doing it from a place of concern and trying to be helpful, but when you tell other people how to solve their problem so that once the problem is solved then they can quote unquote feel better is a complete misunderstanding of what real problem and solving and comfort and safety actually are Uh, and you know one of the things I brought up was the violence because uh, inside of me there is a deep well of extreme intense energy that can become violent if I don't understand it or can channel it uh, and I can lose control of it, oftentimes because of my nervous system. There's a chemical thing going on, or I'm just too tired, or I'm too hungry. Uh, but, it, but it's a flashpoint that not everybody has. Uh, and that makes uh, the experience of being in proximity to me dangerous for people who are very focused on the need to be safe and comfortable. Uh, We see that in a lot of the, quote-unquote, healing work or peace work, which is conflict resolution, which is the statement that we all need to get to a place where nobody feels unsafe. Uh, And all these ideas have a double edge to them because that's actually true. I'm not a fan of conflict. I'm not saying, uh, you know danger and violence are good Uh, but the messaging the underlying messaging for people who fear danger who don't understand violence who avoid conflict because they don't feel safe all they are doing is seeking to control the external world to create their own comfort and safety and so the theory of peace and healing and conflict resolution are all really awesome but basically the underlying message is uh, everything and everyone needs to change so I feel safe and comfortable in this world and I don't believe that's true and I don't say when I say I don't believe let, let me rephrase that in that you know, in my now 45 years of studying, uh, trying to understand what is the truth, you know, what is the psychology, what is the spirituality, what are universal laws, things like that, I don't get that message, even though almost everybody else does. Uh, And that doesn't make me right, and it doesn't make me wrong, and it usually just makes me not want to talk about it, because it flies in the face of Uh, religion and spiritual teaching that says uh, God is a light and fluffy object of energy of peace and comfort and enlightenment and bliss but my understanding is the opposite it is the capacity to face danger and to embrace discomfort that allows real truth to emerge And it is our fear of that truth that all our defenses are built around. Now, these are not my ideas. These are my understanding of ideas that I have pulled out of uh, almost every spiritual tradition. So, you know, it's as simple as Christianity, which speaks of one son, O-N-E, right? One son. One can mean singular, And one can mean all and everything Uh, and people adopt a definition that is comfortable and safe within their belief system Uh, and then as humans or non-humans we proceed to torture and kill anybody that disagrees with us and we've seen that throughout history as that if you don't think the world is flat I'm going to torture and kill you. If you don't adopt this specific religion, and this is all religions, maybe except Buddhism, uh, I'm going to torture and kill you. Uh, If you don't uh, vote the way I want to vote and politically uh, create the world, I'm going to torture and kill you. Uh, If you don't believe in this ism, which is, you know, capitalism, fascism, communism, socialism, whatever ism you're... Uh, attached to I'm going to torture and kill you Uh, and right now you know we're in that exact moment of time if you don't agree with the uh, narrative we're going to torture and kill you and we're torturing us by uh, censorship torture by uh, taking away the ability to to make money Uh, now taking away the food taking away the energy uh and killing us by all of these means and in addition you know to medical tyranny so we are in the process of another wave of if you don't agree with me i'm going to torture and kill you and so if you look at that as an idea and you say what is the truth and if the truth boils down to i'm going to be tortured and killed Most of us are going to turn away from that because that does not equate with comfort and safety. Uh, and probably not very many people even want to ask, well, what is this truth that is so terrifying that, uh, people are willing to torture and kill to be in denial of? Because anybody who's participating in the control group that wants to torture and kill, isn't right. they're terrified of the truth that they don't want to know and so they have to go out and kill and crush and diminish and eradicate anything that challenges that belief system because if I was to say to you I'm looking at a picture right now uh, that has blue sky and the sun is finally out and it was out a little bit yesterday but we have been it's been over a week now of clouds and rain and gloom. Uh, and you know that does nothing for my mood I don't know about you but if I was to say to you and I say this joyously today the sky is blue uh, nobody's going to want to torture and kill me to make that not true there's no emotional angry defensive idea attached to uh, the truth of the sky being blue now there's an emotional attachment because for me that means yay I can you know charge up my little lights I can go outside I can get stuff done I can be warmer than I would be uh, things will dry out so to me the sky is blue has all kinds of positive connotations and emotional reward right Uh, some people in the middle of a drought is oh god the sky is blue again and that's that's bad because now people uh, you know things are dying the the land is dying The animals are dying so there's emotional attachment to the idea but there's no uh, there's no defensiveness around the core truth that the sky is blue and so to me that's how I measure you know where I am in relationship to truth is that if I'm neutrally if I'm neutral emotionally on the the core idea the sky is blue right I don't spend any energy trying to convince anybody if this is true or not then that's not something I have to look at Uh, if I'm happy about an idea that's not something I have to look at if I'm angry if I'm defensive if I am enraged about an idea an experience an event a person uh, anything that's the thing I need to look at because all of that energy I have raging against something means that I am defending and attacking something I don't want to know and the only way through that is the willingness to face what is dangerous and to embrace and engage with the discomfort of that process Now, what that looks like in real life is often uh, being unsuccessful, being a failure, uh, not conforming, being a rebellious, being a renegade, uh, being an outlaw, being violent, being criminal, uh, being a loser, right? There's all these negative words that we attach to people who are not following the traditional path of human that our culture has defined meaning if you follow the rules you will be safe and everything will be okay now I was raised to be a rule follower I followed all the rules and then in uh, you know that 2008 moment in time I lost everything because I started to ask the question I did everything right I got a good job I got educated I got a house I got two cars I have a mortgage I have a 401k I get up every day and go to a job I hate so that I can participate in a system that I don't fit into, but I am following the rules. Uh, and to me, that was one of those decisions, like do I want to do it? Do I want to keep going? Because I could have, you know, commuted four hours a day and gotten a job to save a house. Uh, but you know if at the, at the the reality was is that I didn't want to live in that house it had a lot of uh, repairs that would needed to have been done you know over the next few years that were costly uh, and I'm like why am I sacrificing my life to save a house within a system that is doing nothing but screwing me in a place I don't even want to live in which was California and so I looked at that experience as uh, a bad relationship sometimes you just gotta uh, say no and accept the losses and move on and that was very upsetting for people who needed the system to be okay. Uh, that people who were rule followers like me just kept dumping money into the system and most of us don't say no until the pain and the discomfort of the thing we don't want to look at becomes too great and sometimes we never do that's the way we are with addiction right we will just you know devolve into our addiction until we hit bottom and it takes that bottom oftentimes for people to do what they need to do to shift that paradigm Uh, and some people never do there is no bottom there is no uh Recovery, because it was just too painful to look at what the truth was that that addictive process is covering up. So I haven't talked about why I'm talking about a sacred duty with the Wired for Danger. Well, one of the things that's been floating around with me for a while uh, is that uh, you've heard me talk about what I believe or I'm calling wired for danger is those of us who are willing whether we really want to or not to run into the fire to face the dangerous situation Uh, you know all of us have fight flight and freeze and we all participate in fight flight or freeze Uh, you know some of the bravest people on the physical battlefield of war uh, freeze up or run from one tiny little feeling. Uh, you know, there is no absolute to any of this, but what I'm been exploring is this idea that, uh, for some of us who are wired, literally, our nervous system, our brain, our body, is wired with a larger capacity to deal with danger and discomfort. Uh, That isn't a judgment, it is a fact. It's not uh, good or bad, it's not right or wrong. Uh, And for a species to survive, you must have a percentage of people who can do that, and you must have a larger percentage of people that cannot do that. Uh, And the ideas I've been exploring around that are sort of the antithesis of the real, quote unquote, spiritual movement of bliss and enlightenment. Uh, And most people pursue spiritual truth, to just be quote-unquote enlightened to seek bliss to get the kundalini experience experience, which is where you feel the energy of God explode up and down your nervous system Uh, and that means you've achieved something Uh, what I am coming to understand and is that it's not that It's really, rather, the capacity to hold the truth when it is unbearable to look at, it's unbearable to hear, and it's unbearable to know. Because if it was easy, we would all do it, and we wouldn't fight so hard against it. Uh, And when we ask, well, what is the truth? You know, that's an onion that takes... Uh, forever and an eternity to peel there is no end definitive truth Uh, you know I can say things like you know and believe you know that the end of the the end of the rainbow is perfect love right God is perfect love I was listening to a guy named Mark Paseo something like that and he was talking about natural law and he was going over his history and how he came about that and his understanding You know, with absolute confidence that he has his authority is absolutely correct. Uh, I was listening, saying, "Well, yeah, that's part of it," but I have a different understanding. So, you know, we hold on to absolute and authority because it makes us comfortable that we don't have to look at the other sides of the truth that are uncomfortable. But You know what I've observed is a lot of men talking about perfect love and saying it you know with a very dispassionate intellectual absolutism but there's no energy right and then they launch into you know how the whole evil people are trying to control us and the opposite of perfect love because that's a within process is absolute control and that is a external process but one of the things that I keep and have bumped into is that this idea of love is so screwed up we think about it as romantic we think about it as our children we think about it as something separate and I I don't think about it that way it's not my understanding of what it is Uh, you know, my understanding is love is the power and the force that holds the whole universe together It's the energy that is of everything and cohesive and holds it all together. So that has to be unbelievably powerful and so that to me makes more sense is if you can't tap the power within then you're gonna seek the power without and what I understand as peace is that it is the capacity to look at conflict and not need to control or change it but see the truth behind it so my struggle in all of these years and decades has been you know what I understand as real and true is so wildly different than what everybody else talks about Uh, And I just give up and quit, right? Like, I don't want to talk about it. But, you know, the messaging that I get is it's not about explaining what all this stuff is. Because I can say it out loud and it just doesn't mean anything. You can't hear it until you're ready to know it. And if it was easy, we'd have all done it a long time ago. But I've been... You know playing with this idea for a while that those of us who are wired for danger Have a larger capacity to hold the truth and I told I know I just said that but if you think about that uh, What who cares right what does that even mean? Because uh, I was also thinking about how people who are wired for danger uh, Usually the first half of your life is just a nightmare, right? And so Uh, You spend, you know, growing up, people telling you that you're wrong, people telling you, you know, that you don't fit in, trying to medicate you, or you get into trouble. You usually, you know, terrorize other people so your relationships are tattered and brutal. Uh, You know, if you're a man, you're the broken man that women chase after. If you're a woman, you know... You just sort of end up with, you know, kids and are usually alone or just alone. Uh, You know, it's not an easy life. It's not a comfortable life. You know, there's always exceptions. There's people uh, who are rewarded and get lucky. But the majority of the people who have this kind of nervous system, uh, you know, they're traumatized at some point. They have hard experiences. They live a hard life. It's really a very painful way to be in the world. But the first half of life is about being in the world. The second half of life is what are you going to do with that information? And so I believe, or coming to believe, or wanting to understand that in as much as capacity as we have to experience and endure uh, pain and suffering as this kind of nervous system, We have also that same increased capacity to hold truth, which is really to be able to hold love. Uh, And one of the things, you know, that happens on the spiritual path is that you only can vibrate at the frequency of God, that really intense love, for a short amount of time. You can train your nervous system to, to hold that longer, but it's so intense, the physical body cannot contain it and it would just fall apart. Uh, And, and that's a very advanced, you know, kind of practice, which is to me is not practical, you know, for the day in and the day out. And I am not a believer in that enlightenment is about, you know, attaching yourself to love and sitting in a sanctuary with a guru or sitting in a cave, you know. Or, or, sitting you know in a cottage in the middle of nowhere I think that you can't really test out your capacity to love until you get into the thick of it and the capacity to hold love as truth in the midst of what we're moving into right war uh, nuclear war famine economic collapse Uh, all these other things you know right now you've heard me talk about the loose dog situation right and it is rampant Uh, I can't even get off the driveway now because there's a group of dogs sitting on the street that I don't think are uh, violent but I think they want food and I you know that was one of the things I journal about like do I feed them because then they're here forever and I can't hardly afford to feed my dog right and uh or do I ignore them and you know I've chose to ignore them because the the where I arrived was if it was me I would rather have the opportunity to scavenge and hunt and survive because I am participating in that process than to be uh, in the comfort and safety of somebody feeding me and sheltering me but I am at their mercy and that's what domestication is yeah I'm going to feed and shelter you but you belong to me and you do what I say and that's where we are in the world today right you either conform you don't say certain things you must do certain things and the only through conformity will you be safe and secure and fed and comfortable If you don't conform you're going to be thrown out into the wild and uh, you know if I have to choose I would rather be thrown out into the wild because I want the opportunity to be free I'm not going to to uh, sacrifice my freedom and my own capacity to take care of myself to be the slave or to be the vassal, right, for somebody else who wants power and control over me. Uh, And most of us, you know, we don't sit around and think about that because we like the fact that we can get up and we can turn on the water and we can, you know, flip on the light switch. Uh, But to choose to be able to fend for yourself requires the ability to face danger and to feel discomfort And there's zero degree of uh, guarantee, right? There's no guarantee you're going to live. There's no guarantee that you won't make bad decisions. Uh, There's no guarantee that you're not going to die a horrible, painful death. And to do that takes an immense capacity within yourself to deal with the pain and suffering and fear and all that other stuff. But if you can do all that, imagine how much room is in you to to be able to tolerate the joy and the love and the light and the god energy and and most of us you know we don't think about the fact that maybe all this crappy training that we had in the first half of our life was preparing us for something in the second half of our life that is uh, not ever talked about, right? Because we have this idea that the spiritual path means we're just going to, you know, either be a doormat, right? And just give everything to everybody, you know, till we're broken, laying on the ground or, you know, in service to people who aren't asking for help or, uh, doing the martyr thing or, Uh, you know, the new way now is to, you know, bliss out and to go hide out in a little commune or sanctuary where everybody pretends like everything's okay all along. Or, you know, the eastern way, go sit in a cave and just, you know, meditate or be part of a monastery where you're in a collected protection zone, right? Uh, It takes a tremendous capacity to understand the truth and live a day-in and day-out life because the learning of all that is never going to end and it's often going to look like you are wildly unsuccessful. Uh, and that's been, you know, one of my big battles. It's a lot of work to be successful. It, it takes energy to have money that's devoted to things that don't feel valuable when you're doing things like messing around and seeking the truth, right? Like, you know, one of the conversations I have is I, you know, why won't I sit down and spend hours a day on social media to promote myself and, uh, I just can't bring myself to do it, right? I can barely get a podcast recorded, you know, with all the technical issues and limitations I have. And, and I have that conversation, you know, should I suck up and move back into civilization and get plugged in so I can talk to a lot of people about things I'm no longer doing? And to me, I just can't do it. I would rather, you know, do what I'm doing because the challenge is here for me and I am constantly in process of trying to increase my capacity to know the truth, understand the truth, be the truth, even though nobody understands what I'm doing, pretty much, and there's no value, right? Most people don't have value and uh, you know I think it was David in the comments talked about survivalists and you know I've been on the spiritual path since I was 13 and uh, you know that stopped it wasn't solving all my problems so I got into you know the body and nutrition and wellness and uh, you know I had to earn a living and you know I charged down the physical mental and emotional tract Uh, and eventually, you know, came back around to the spiritual tract, but, but when I lost everything, I wanted to ask that question, right, what does it mean to survive, right, what is survival, sorry, the white terror has, that's what I'm calling her now, the white terror, she has risen from her sleep, and so we'll try to get this finished up here, so, you know, I, I didn't find one answer in one avenue for all things and all time. What I found is it's a never-ending process and, uh, and because it's never-ending, I never feel comfortable stopping and preaching and teaching, right, an absolute gospel which is required pretty much to be successful. Uh, you know, there's, it's great when you get to see the end of someone's career and then you get to go behind the scenes and see what was actually taking place. and. Uh, You know, we have this idea that religious and spiritual people are somehow, you know, super connected to God because they're super rich. Uh, And you get behind the scenes and it's like a whole other thing going on. But if you think about in the olden days, right? sorry here she goes spiritual people just uh, went out into the desert so that they could get closer to God they asked those questions that's my fascination with the desert uh, mothers and fathers like what does it mean to be connected God what does it mean to do the real spiritual work and it's very time consuming and it's not something anybody else values And now we live in a culture and a society that is so fixated on having people uh, solve problems, right? Oh, if you do this, you'll feel better. If you go there, you'll be happier. If you accomplish this, you'll be successful, right? We're just so convinced that if we get something, then everything will be okay. Instead of the spiritual path, which is what do I already have, which is truth, which is love, which is God, that I haven't been able to find within myself and look at yet Uh, and and those are not easy questions those are not simple one-offs you know where you go to a workshop and you pay your $3,000 or $10,000 however much and you become enlightened and you're done right like this is forever it's hard it's uncomfortable and I believe in this moment of time as we're almost 45 minutes in here so I figure the only people that are still listening are the ones that want to know these things is when I speak about wired for danger and the ability to face discomfort and danger out in the world it's really the ability to face danger and discomfort within yourself but we have to test ourselves out in the world we have to push limits we have to explore this relationship with fear and discomfort and how much can i tolerate and uh, you know i had a the recently i don't know it was like three years of the most incredible discomfort i've ever had Uh, and the last year was getting physical you know it's when the ms symptoms got a lot worse and i was giving myself concussions and i was uh, you know things were breaking i mean the the level of discomfort was unlike anything that I had ever experienced and I was out of my mind and I'm like god I can't take any of this and it really you know culminated with the the drive from Arizona from New Mexico to Arizona and I was just overwhelmed with the fear and the energy that I was going to die because I had to transport you know two trailers across a little mountain pass and uh, I was just convinced that something was going to happen and I was going to die and Uh, and I had two really bad things happen on both of those trips that was what I considered a miracle that I was they came to my awareness so I could fix the problem so I didn't die Uh, and I you know I never know like was the was the gift that I uh, saw them accidentally so that I could fix them and the bad thing didn't happen or, uh, you know, did I screw up? And the screw-up would have killed me, but I just got lucky, right? You know, these are the big questions that we ask. And it was horrible. And I've spent, you know, I've been in recovery, right, ever since. Uh, and I, and and the cycle broke when I uh, was at my breaking point. And i have mean, been at my breaking point for a long time. Uh, and then I went to California, and it was a different environment. And I just, the the cycle of hell ended and what was interesting about that is uh my radiator had broken you know when I was getting ready to go to California the radiator blew up so I had to fix it and the guy at the the auto store says to me something to the effect like oh well I don't remember what he said something like well you never know maybe everything will change and And I was so out of my mind and frustrated, and I'm like, I don't care. I just said, I'm driving to California in the middle of the night, and I never drive at night. I can't even stay awake from midnight to 3 a.m. I'm, like, dangerous. I'm so unconscious. Uh, And that was the trip. You know, I just, it, it kind of broke, and I was able to recover. Uh, and then you know, I've been slowly kind of putting myself back together again. And so these, the reason I share that is that these exhaustive experiences, I don't believe are about personal failure. Uh, I believe they're about preparation, because I knew that I was exceeding my capacity to deal with the discomfort. Uh, but I also know that I expanded my capacity to deal with the discomfort. Uh, and I believe that because that capacity for discomfort got so big, that the capacity to hold the opposite of discomfort, you know, the love that is God, the truth that is love, that incredible joy, power, peace thing that I talk about, it has more room to come forward. And I think that's the sacred duty of those of us who are wired for danger, is to be willing to contemplate these ideas and maybe take on this different perspective. Not to be famous, not to be special, not to have somebody tap you and say, oh, you're so wonderful. That is so far away from anything that's, any, that's valuable. But to be able to be in the silence and the solitude and have nobody know who you are but in this wildly tumultuous time to hold the truth to anchor it and the difference between the man and the woman journey on this the masculine and the feminine is that I believe as women especially as older women to hold the love is our work And I believe for men, it's a, it's a mind-body thing. I think for women, the feminine is the heart and the soul of this moment of time. And for men, it's the physical and the mental of this time. And it is, sorry, she's on the move now. uh, The capacity to stand in the face of danger where the women, the feminine, is the capacity to feel in the face of danger. And for men to move forward in the moment of discomfort. And for women to, to understand what truth and love are in these moments of discomfort. Uh, and that doesn't mean that your body will be safe and that you will be comfortable in this world. I think until you're ready to let go of your body and your experience in this world as the purpose of who you are you can't ever get to this and the first half of our life is about the body and the world and the second half is about letting that go and finding what is truly meaningful and that survival and sanity are what we need to have right we have to be able to eat we have to have shelter we have to be able to move around we have to be sane we have to be able to think we have to be able to discern but the sacred is the real work of the spirit and the soul and human is just something we have to get through and navigate till we can get to the really good stuff and that really is the second half or this later half of life Uh, And it's it's not exciting in the sense that, you know, I'm sorry, I can hear her messing around with something she's not supposed to be messing around with. It's hard to focus when your dog is destroying your stuff because you never know when it's going to be something you want or need. I got most of that off the ground, but you never know when it might have fallen off. So, and this is real, right? The reality is, is here I am trying to talk to you about the most important thing in the entire universe. And all I can think about now is my dog. Let's see, what does she have? Oh, hold on. I thought she had, whoops. I thought she had my boot again. She ruined one of my pairs of shoes. But she's just ruining my th- thing I put in the window to keep the cold out. You know, that silver bubble stuff, that's what's making all the noise. So here I am, right, trying to talk to you about the most important thing in the whole world and the whole universe and the whole purpose of life itself, right? Remembering who we are and doing the sacred work of our heart and our soul and our spirit so that we can end all pain and suffering, not because we eradicated at the physical worldly level but because we know what the truth is and we are doing the work of holding that while one by one we all slowly get to the same place because as I said strong medicine can only be taken in small doses hard truths can only be revealed one tiny layer at a time and at the same time I have a puppy who's in the process of destroying my crap She's in constant frantic motion, which drives me crazy. Like right? so these this is this is life, right? This is the balance of these two things. Is how do we survive and stay sane, right, by not letting the dog destroy everything that we own and still participate in this sacred duty that I believe everybody has. So I'm not saying that Wired for Danger is the only one who gets these sacred duties. We all have a role and a purpose that is sacred. But I want to speak to those of us who are Wired for Danger because everything about this world usually says that you're wrong. You're wrong to feel violence. You're wrong to be dangerous. You're wrong to be angry. You're wrong to be someone who engages in conflict. You're wrong to be nonconformist. You're wrong to breaking rules you're wrong for not wanting to medicate yourself into oblivion you're wrong for not keeping a corporate monday through friday job you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong i mean these are the overriding messages that we get our entire life and i'm saying i believe all those messages all that trauma all that suffering all that discomfort has been the training ground to expand your nervous system for the capacity to deal with danger and discomfort as we move into a moment of time that is massively dangerous and is going to be all discomfort and you're going to see almost everybody fall apart i believe that's when we can step in and hold the truth in the face of this overwhelming danger and discomfort that's coming down on us like a freaking lead brick right there's I don't believe we can stop it I don't think you can even avoid it you can minimize and mitigate it a bit but the sacred duty that we could if we choose to participate in I believe is this capacity to expand our nervous system consciously so that we can hold the truth, while we ride through this crucible, and then when we get to the other side, nobody will care about us, and they'll just toss us aside, and that's okay, because our work was to do the hard work, not to be rewarded by the general population, and that to me is what we're wired for, and it's really hard, and it's really dangerous, and no one even wants to talk about it and I'm going to try and so this has been a great big long I think it's the longest podcast I've ever done but I am done because I've been sitting here a long time my battery's about to crap out and the dog's back in the back of the trailer who knows what she's doing so thank you thank you for your incredible generosity and support you have no idea how much I appreciate all of you Uh, and I'm just going to keep plodding forward I think this is our path and I am going to be forever grateful for those of you who will engage in it whether I ever know your name or not because I think this is our sacred duty and I can't imagine anything that's more important all right deep breath and I will see you next time